I think my steaks are about uh, tender enough now, or that is cooked enough. Of course, it's a question of taste. By touching the steak like this, I can more or less say that those steaks are about medium rare. It's a question of the way they spring back to your touch. They are beautifully brown. And now in those dripping here, which is important, we're going to put the shallots, the garlic, and the mushroom. And saute it a little bit. That really smells good. Now, today's topic is the academics, uh, professional academics argue the lower classes should not eat meat. And I'm afraid you, dear listener, are among these lower classes. Now, I've, uh, I've long distinguished the difference between those uh, who engage in productive thought uh, and those who practice something that only appears to be useful thinking, using the words uh, or terms scholars, those are the people who have productive thought, and professional academics. Uh, and I think we all, if long-time readers and listeners, will certainly know what I think about professional academics. Now, these terms are, are not, of course, just uh, somewhat joking. There's not uh, mutually exclusive for one thing, and they're only rough guides. A scholar can, of course, be an academic in an employment sense, uh, but certainly not all professional academics are scholars. Uh, and many, of course, uh, professional academics. I like this guy named Mike Plant. Mike Plant, B-L-A-N-T, our first of two examples today of what it passes for anti-meat thinking, a growing area of, uh, quote, research, end quote. Now, Plant wrote the peer-reviewed, peer-reviewed paper, The Meat Eater Problem, in the hilariously named Journal of Controversial Ideas, whose motto I'm imagining is, don't blame us. Anyway, Plant, and you have to love his name, wrote, quote, this is all a quote now. First, we must, this is an assumption to an argument he's making, so let me, let me start that quote again. So first, we must save strangers' lives, at least if we could do so easily. You would be required to rescue a child drowning in a pond, even if it will ruin your expensive suit. Second, it is wrong to eat meat because of the suffering caused animals in factory farms. I argue that, this is Plant saying, I argue that if meat eating is wrong on animal suffering grounds, then once we consider how much suffering might occur, it starts to seem plausible that saving strangers would be the greater evil than not rescuing them and is therefore not required after all. <laughs> <clears throat> Let's try to take this seriously. End quote. I forgot to say end quote. He, he didn't chuckle. Now, even more hilariously, Plant, uh, the Daily News, discovers uh, eat, eats meat himself. Of course, he's a member of the regime elite, and, and, and the rules don't apply to them. And he, he, he is at uh, the, the, the Wellbeing Research Center at the University of Oxford at its Happier Lives Institute. Happier Lives. Happier Lives Institute. I don't know. When I first read that, I laughed. <laughs> and so I was made happier <laughs> when I saw it. So good job, fellas. You got at least one convert. Now, Plant, in the article, uh, thinks this new version, this is a new version of the trolley problem. You all remember the trolley problem. And if you don't, you can easily look that up. I wasn't quite clear about how he meant it, though. Uh, is it something like a drowning child on one track? 
and a crispy slather than butter, full pound, medium rare, ribeye, grass-fed on the other. Uh, see, the problem's incomplete. The ribeye might have been raised on some horrible factory farm, maybe, and or it might be from some free-range, grass-fed, hormoneless farm owned and run by a non-conglomerate farmer. Or the kid, if it lives, might turn out to be a professional academic or a scholar. So it's hard to know what to do. It depends really on how horrible the factory farm is and how much you loathe academics or how hungry you are. Incidentally, uh, one way to think about saving strangers, in which a plant missed, is treating them medically and not just from a burning ditch or a, a, a drowning in a pond. The practice of medicine, therefore, and every other single program that helps people live would be out because meat. Another thing is, uh, or, or should be clear, is that humans before animals every time. Thus, if you save your kid from a miserable death by drowning, only for that kid to go on to become a McDonald's habitué, then you rescue the kid every time, even if it isn't yours. And even if it's destined to become an academic uh, who considers peer-reviewed papers the apex of human thought. All right, that's enough of plant. Our second examples are, uh, I don't know how to pronounce this guy's name, George Moonbat, Moonbiot, Monbio, I don't know how to pronounce it. Uh, he, he's neither an academic or scholar, just some propagandist who shows up, I think, at uh, uh, The Guardian, among other places. And here's another name I'm not real good with here, Gunhild Stordalen. I'm not certain I'm saying that right either. But she's a physician academic. Uh, who founded something called the EAT, E-A-T Foundation. These two are holding a event uh, next week to awaken people to a most terrible scourge. It's something that's so destructive that, it's, that if it's not controlled by these caring academics, it will destroy us all. Food. Yes, food. Food is this terrible thing. Here's a quote from, uh, from their brochure, I guess. What's the biggest cause of the sixth mass extinction of species? What emits more greenhouse gas than all the world's cars, aeroplanes, and ships put together? What kills 75 billion animals a year? Food. It's time to face the facts. <laughs> it's time to face the facts. <laughs> Sorry, I can't. Can't go on with this quote. Hang on a second here. This is so absurd. Okay, I'm going on with the quote. Quote, our food system, dominated by meat, fish, and dairy, is devouring the planet. If we want to leave a livable world for the next generation, we need to reboot food. End quote. <laughs> These people are idiots. I, now, I've learned one amazing thing about academics who don't want the lower classes to eat meat. Of course, experts and rulers will always be allowed like plant. And it's this. This is what I've learned. None of them, and I mean none of them, not one, know that animals eat each other. Now, I mean, that is to say they might know this simple fact that animals eat, eat each other, but they haven't assimilated that knowledge. It has not affected their thinking in any way. Isn't that something? I mean, somehow they have convinced themselves that only man eating other animals matters. And that animals eating other animals does not. Animals eating other animals is never seen as harmful or 
quote, unsustainable. It does not contribute to, quote, climate change or systemic racism or anything bad. It's natural. Whereas man, the animal eating other animals, isn't natural somehow and to be discouraged. If, of course, one is not in the uh, expert or ruler class. Now, the argument of these people isn't even religious uh, or anything like that, say, against the killing of other beings. Uh, although you must kill to eat. Uh, otherwise, you, you yourself die. You have to kill something, plant or animal. Uh, that's just the way it is. Uh, their argument is because they believe if there are too many men, there won't be enough meat for them. This is backwards. Uh, it's because there's so much food that there's so many men. They have their thinking exactly backwards, uh, which is typical of the academic, the professional academic. You must admit, though, that the idea of eliminating food to solve climate change, quote-unquote, is as pure a professional academic idea as you will ever find. Uh, happy trails, everybody. Why don't you all join me in singing this one? Happy trails to you until we meet again. Happy trails to you. Keep smiling until then. Who cares about the clouds if we're together? Just sing a song and bring the sunny weather. Happy trails.